Watch this. Hello and welcome back to the Cookie Jar Golf Podcast. I am Tom Mills and today Sam and I are joined by Sam Cooper. Uh, before we dive into it, as always, you can get in touch with us on at Cookie Jar Golf on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. And for those of you who remember, Sam Cooper is a previous guest of the podcast. He joined uh, with Jasper in the Evaluating podcast. So if you haven't listened to that one, check it out. Um, this is a little bit different from Evaluating. This is Sam's adventure around the UK in his van. So let's get straight into this. So for those of you not in the know, Sam Cooper is Greens Committee at Hoylake, all-round ball striker, progressive traditionalist, stinger aficionado, and has shut up shop to travel around the UK playing pretty much every Lynx course he can get his hands on. And the current number stands at 192 and it's growing. He started um, back in September and now he's two months into his quest to travel around the UK with his lovely wife, Harriet, and, and their two dogs. So we thought a couple of months into his quest, we would jump on and have a chat with you. So Sam Cooper, Sam, how are you doing? Hello, Mills. Thanks for having me back. Hello, Sam. Some intro, that, Sam. Wow. That was some I, intro for you. Possibly the greatest, yeah. I've never heard such nice words. What was your favourite part of it? All of it. All three and a half minutes of it. The one that the one that still sticks with me is the is when you self-described yourself around Hoylake as being a progressive traditionalist. And I think you're going you're gonna to do well to wriggle away from that name now I, for some I think time. So. Uh, that description has achieved cult status. Mm, agreed. Yeah. It's almost in that sort and of broader Cleveland brummy accent for it to really resonate. <laughs> Breeder of mighty champions, um, <laughs> Cooper. The last time we spoke to you, um, you were about to set off on your trip, so we might as well pick up there. How long has it been? What time did you? When did you start this this insane movement? Uh, beginning of September. Insane is is right, but. Um, but we were lucky. We've had some, we've had some pretty good weather so far. It's chucked it down and it's blown a gale. But um, but it's also been pretty sunny, which is uh, about as much as you could hope for going into autumn in Scotland. So so far we're we're still surviving and we're still cracking on. Just just remind us, Sam, where are you at at the moment? So. Just, just give us your your point in the country at the moment. So I'm now just past Inverness. So we started. Okay. So you've been going anti-clockwise, haven't you? Clockwise. So we started clockwise. Um, <laughs> we started in Kintyre on the west coast, just off the west coast, um, and then we've we've been going up and up and over really. So working our way through some of the islands over over there, M- Mole. Iona, uh, Sky, um, and a few others, and up the mainland, off the west coast of the mainland, up to Durness in the northwest corner, and then across the top and started to make our way down the east coast. And here we are, just, just as I say, past Inverness. So for, the, for our listeners that didn't pick this up on, um, on the last podcast, 
what you're doing is you've sold all your, well, you haven't sold it, but you've given Trying. up your earthly possessions to, to live in a van. Is that pretty Basically. much it? Yeah. So during lockdown, we had, we'd built a house, we'd, we'd moved and bought and sold and moved around and Harriet, my very tolerant wife and I had, um, we'd, we'd basically been going from one, one move to another, sort of trying to get up the, the old, um, property ladder kind of, kind of thing. And then we were just sat, sat there during lockdown thinking it's a bit, uh, it's a bit stressful, all of this, isn't it? And, um, well, who knows what's happening for the foreseeable. So, uh, we've, we've, as we enter lockdown 2.0, all, all they do in England and, um, and all the rest of it. So we thought, well, why don't we just spend a bit of time, take a bit of, take a bit of stock and, um, and going to live in a van seemed like a, um, relatively logical thing to do to make the most of six months out. And, uh, and that's, that's how it all started really. And the van you just bought off the shelf, ready to go, or did you did you get deep into van life? So it's it is van life. It's a um it's a converted or well, we, we converted a um a VW crafter van. So it's a, as big a van as I could drive on my driving license. Because all of the test centers were were closed with lockdown and everything. So I couldn't upgrade my driving license to get a to get a bus or something otherwise we might have done so probably for the best that we couldn't because uh the van we've got is as big as as big as i'm allowed to drive and and then it's nice we've got a king-size bed in the back we've got a little kitchen shower and toilet you know everything that we it's pretty basic but um everything that we we need to 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 journey around and uh and it's warm it's watertight now. After a couple of leaks early on, that, uh, <laughs> we've managed to <laughs> some duct tape. <laughs> we've duct taped up, uh, and yeah, so we're we're pretty well adjusted to to living in a van. So there's loads of time to get into the golf courses, which we're going to do very shortly. But I've got to ask, how, how's that holding up between you and Harriet as well? How's all that going? I mean, that life on the road's got to be, there's got to be some massive highs when you get to a stunning part of Scotland, but there's got to be some chronic lows when the rain's coming down, you've lost, you're stuck in the middle of a lane. How's it all yeah, going? Yeah, it was, it was pretty bleak up at Durness. So Durness, we were there. We'd been there before um, and we were parked up and I can't remember what storm it was, but it was one of the storms of the name. And the van was getting buffeted in probably 50 60 mile an hour winds and it was chucking down and that's when we got the <laughs> the leak that i alluded to and um yeah it was uh, a pretty miserable 18 hours sort of stuck uh stuck there <laughs> in, the, in, in the rain waiting for it to stop and then um and then the next morning that was that was all of sunday and then the next morning um open the doors not a breath of wind and it was i don't know it's certainly short sleeves weather uh and it was gorgeous and um fortunately we've had more days like that than than we have of the former uh, and that makes all the difference uh but we're still here uh she hasn't left me to go back to the house just yet so uh fingers crossed <laughs> it will stay that way and you've got the uh you've got the dogs with you as well is that right yeah, we've got Watson and Winnie, our two um, two cocker spaniels. So they're 
they're having the time of their lives with us 24 7 and half a dozen walks a day so um so they think it's all their christmases have come at once yeah i bet they're sleeping their little oh, yeah. legs off aren't it's they brilliant. sam are you finding pretty much i mean we've recently come back from a little jaunt in scotland as i'm sure you're aware and th- the most refreshing thing about golf up there is is the club's willingness just to have dogs on the course are you finding that's pretty much a universal rule or are you finding it's kind of pretty much hit and miss? there are maybe two or three courses we've been to where they're where they're not very dog friendly but um they're so in the minority as you say dogs are welcome that's mad isn't it and you think that's literally you could be you know a few miles away from the scottish border and most of the golf courses in england don't really have that it's just a to know odd observation i think a lot of golf courses would be far better for it it's funny isn't it and it's always the or in england more often than not it's the it's the sort of posher clubs that you might on the face of it not expect to have uh they're probably the last places you'd expect to have dogs like sunningdale and royal st george's and ryan places berkshire have them and all sorts don't they um okay they've heard something um and uh, and they're the places that do, but 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 yeah, it's it's a shame it's not quite so prevalent in England. I know that I personally, with my dogs, would have been nervous approaching the golf club, saying, you know, is it okay for dogs? Are you now in a position where you just assume dogs are okay unless you're told otherwise? We do check, but um, but as I say, it's so rare that they say no that um, you, you are surprised when when they say no. So we've. Uh, one of our dogs is good and he's quiet and the other one um we've we've managed to work out a way of keeping her quiet and as long as she's as long as she's got a ball in her mouth and carries it round with her then um then she's she's quiet for 18 horse so um our astute listeners will have just heard her probably scratching herself on the floor yeah. there i think i heard a collar going the <laughs> decent clip so let's get into business then sam so just just for everyone's kind of awareness, you started off in and around sort of home territory, the Wirral, Liverpool, West Lanks, all around that sort of neck of the woods. Quick burst up the West Coast and, and over, the, over the Scottish border. Where's stop number one? Am I right in saying that's out near Turnbury, Prestwick, out that sort of neck of the woods, Ayrshire? Yeah, so when we decided to do it, uh, obviously to get the van together and and everything else took um, took a bit of time. So over the uh, the summer, when when we we thought, okay, let's plot a route all the way round, I started to play then the the courses that are more local to me back home. So you, Wallasey and royal burkdale and those courses on the the sort of lancashire coast all the way up towards selathon solway um so all of those i managed to or not all of them i still got some to go back and go back and play but a lot of those i i played over the summer and then uh we went on a buddies trip to turnbury um which was which was great that was um t- at the beginning of the very beginning of September. And that's kind of when we started. Uh, so I then we went up to Turnbury, came back down, picked up the van and then drove us up to, uh, we actually went past, past, um, Troon, Prestwick, all of those, which I've still got to come back to. Um, but there's such a great, there's a glut of golf there. That's probably a week's worth of, 
Troon mm. and Western Gales and Prestwick and and all of the others that are the Glasgow you know, Gales Glasgow there as Gales. well and Brassey, so all those tracks. Um, yeah. It's it's such a it's such a great little area that um, I take a bit of a I've got a few friends there so take a bit of arranging to to sort of line line up to go and see them and um, and have a great week doing that. So we thought that whilst the weather was looking pretty good, uh, the forecast was looking pretty good, that we'd we'd um, head on past there and drive round to Kintyre. And Kintyre is the peninsula that's, uh, that's sort of due west of Prestwick area. And it's... Um, it, it, it's it's on the same kind of uh, longitude, but um, you can either get a couple of ferries to go across, or you can drive the long way round, which is sort of a four-hour drive up west and then down the peninsula, which is what we did, and uh, and then we based ourselves there in Kintyre for for about a week. Wow! And so, so that's Macrahanish, isn't it? That's all the. All the Macrohanish tracks, right? Exactly. So you've got Macrohanish, Mac Dunes, which is a new course that, um, well, just over 10 years now, that uh, David McClay Kidd built uh, on a triple SI, heavily protected piece of land. So it's a bit of a quirky course, but um, but great fun, amazing piece of land. And that's next door to Macrohanish, which is an old Tom Morris course and is phenomenal. It's so good. Uh, it's the mm. one with the famous first hole first driving drive, over yeah. the beach, uh, Atlantic Ocean on the to the left of you if you get too bold, um, and it's a great course. But then there are there are loads of others um, around there. So Dunavity, um, you've got Caradale, which is a great little nine mm. hole of this. I wasn't expecting anything of, and then when I got there, I was blown away. It was fantastic so there were a few others on that peninsula and then you can take a ferry then either side if you take the ferry east you go to Arran, um where Shiskeen is the most uh, or best known course on there amazing little 12 holer um but there's others as well aren't there there am i, am I right i think in there thinking seven there's... courses on Arran. It's a tiny yeah. bit of land, isn't it? It's a small place. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I'm kind of sticking to Lynx courses, and Shiskeen is probably the only one that, that really could class itself as a Lynx course on Aaron. So um, with heavy hearts, I, I didn't play any of the others, but it's they look fantastic. You drive past them, and they're all sort of draped over hills with amazing views, and um, you could have a great little a uh, few days spent on Aaron playing golf. So just tell, tell us a little bit more about Kintyre then, Sam. So yeah, I think my, I mean, I've never played any of the stuff at Macrahanish, any of those, any of those tracks. They're all on the list. You've got obviously the DMK kind of, that's a big sustainability project. I think, is it David Russell designed? Is it old? Um, is it old Mac or there's a, well, there's another yes. one. So you've got the Macri, the, the Macri. Macri. Uh, I'm, Macri, I'm yet to it. play yet to play the Macri. It's one I've got to um, head back to in the spring. So the Macri, which I'm looking forward to seeing, is it's meant to be epic. Um, oh. They spend a lot of money I, I, from what I gather in recent years, uh, sort of improving improving what they had, which was pretty good to start with. Uh, and then the 
other course around there, which has just started accepting vis- visitors this year of of all years, um, with a price tag to to make you uh, <laughs> make you scream is um, is Ardfin. but it looks sensational. Oh, yeah. Right now, I've heard that is one of the toughest golf courses on the planet. I've heard the same. Confirm or deny? No, I, I've, I've yet to play it, um, but I've heard the same. A few of my friends um, went went over there to to see it. I think they're on a they're on a golf rater panel thing, so they went to see it. And they said it's absolutely spectacular, and um, but <laughs> very bloody difficult, uh, quite, <laughs> quite tight and and um, pretty windy when they played it. So. Uh, so yeah. I'm looking forward to to seeing it one spans, day. Um, spans the cliffs, doesn't it? It goes up quite high, so you're going to get pounded by the weather. It's quite high up, isn't it? I believe or so. I made that up. No, I yeah, believe yeah. It, it, Tom's it's just frantically researching it. No, 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 no. I, I think Tom, um, Tom I think the UK Golf Club Atlas. No, no, no. I, I remember <laughs> seeing. I think uh, is it UK Golf Guy? I think did a like an every hole at Ardfin, and he did, uh, didn't he? did it all look pretty up the cliffs, didn't it? So. Uh, it looks spectacular, to be fair. But um, forgive me for saying this, Cooper, but like when you talk about your um, the courses you've played, it seems a bit like you've been throwing darts at a dartboard and see what comes out. What's the thought process behind going to an area, then moving to another area and saying, I've got to go back there at some point to finish it off? Um, well, it, it's probably 2020 is one of the main reasons. So we were working our way up and we had this little route and one of the uh routes as an example we were going to to do is go from uh go from wig on on sky get the ferry across to to harris and go and play askanish and the courses there in the outer mm-hmm. hebrides and i was getting some getting some fuel there's a filling station there guy was reading this little local newspaper and the headline 22 coronavirus cases on harris and the island shut down so that was it you know we can't uh, we can't do anything about that they were they were uh i think i think the ferries were were suspended over there when we were looking to go over and one of the things that we found on on this is you can have the best laid plans but if if something goes wrong like coronavirus or um mm. the the schedule doesn't quite work or something changes then you've just got to be flexible so we're doing as best as we possibly can to keep to uh keep to our sort of route and itinerary but we're just very accepting of the fact that it's not going to happen perfectly and um we're going to we're going to be heading back to certain places to 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 hoover up the ones that we miss next year probably that's a shame isn't it i would i can imagine i'm guessing but i would have thought askanish was probably one that was circled and one that was an adventure you're looking forward to because it's not a place you go past is it let's be honest so no absolutely not but um it's the same with uh, the the Orkney and the Shetland Islands, you know, we there are some up there that I'm really looking forward to going going to see, uh, but it's just not viable this this time. And also, we're going into the we're going into the winter. We've got to be 
we've got to be accepting of that as well. So we're, we're trying to make good progress while we can, while we still, um, have some good weather and, and light and everything else. But, you know, if you're in the far, far north of Scotland, some of those islands are a six hour ferry, um, away from, away from the mainland. So if you, if you're taking it's a six hour ferry north in January, um, it's, <laughs> you're not going to have all of the daylight that you'd want to do it properly. So we've got to be realistic as well. Yeah. I mean, 54 holes around Durness in December is not looking very likely, is it? To be honest with you. So, um, you're just not going to have the light to deal <laughs> with these things. Six rounds. <laughs> yeah, it would. That's a good point. <laughs> And probably not needed, would be fair to say. But I'm just just illustrating my point. So you're winging it a little, and I think that's oh, I think that's to be expected. And that's the thing. Like I suppose you can all the best laid plans and all that jazz. But the reality is, you know, things things are kind of you have to think on your feet. So kind of in in that in that spirit, Sam. There must have been a few where you've thought, right, well, that's not panned out. Let's go and give this a whirl. Oh, okay, do you know what? We're going to spend an extra night here. Let's stay here. Let's maybe go and check this place out. What's been the biggest, like, sort of, wow, like, Jesus Christ, I was not expecting this place to be that good. Like, this was really just a punt. And you must have had one. Because this is always a case. Golf is always almost, you know, whether it's like, you know, wine or anything, you're ultimately making a punt on the basis of, I didn't expect it to be. It's better than what I expected it to be. Do you know what I mean? Like turning up to Turnbury, having a great day. Yeah, the course is brilliant, but then it's kind of built to be epic anyway. So it's always that sort of expectation versus what you what you get at the other end. What's been the big shock? Uh, so Shiskin was definitely one of those. We were sort of in two minds because we knew we had to come back for the Macquarie. Mm. We, we were in two minds whether to take the ferry over to Aaron to, to to go and see there and i was so glad that we did that place was magic um then Durness as well but we knew we'd been to Durness last year we knew that was or i knew that was great um having played it before but the first time i went um when we drove around the north coast 500 uh last year i had no idea then as it was going to be anywhere near as good as it's as it is. And um, I possibly enjoyed it even more this year than I did last year, which is really saying something. And that was a trip oh. where I'd played Dornach and Brora uh, as, as well last year. So it was in very good company, but the kind of company that, as you say, with Turnbury, you expect Royal Dornach, one of the top 10 ranked courses in the UK, depending on any list you look at. Sometimes it's the number one ranked course. Uh, So you expect it to be amazing and it is amazing. So yeah, great day of golf, but Durness, you never hear of it. And then you get there and bloody hell, it's, it's just as much fun as anywhere else you'll play. So that's another highlight. Um, And then probably then as we worked our way down the, down the east coast um we played skibo skibo castle which is ultra private ultra is, that a scoop? Oh, yeah. is that a scoop i mean come on sam no I'm but that's sure we're on... gonna have skibo castle as a hidden gem on here are we that's not, on my no, list I, big time i know but um i mean it's got to be good i'm glad but you've got to be hasn't it no but how many places do you go and you know it's going to be posh and you know it's, it's you're going to have a great day <laughs> And, uh, uh, but the golf was actually 
brilliance in its own right. Mm. If it had been, uh, you know, a, a kind of a, a conventional club without all of the airs and graces that that come with a place like that, um, it, it it was fantastic. The course in its own right. I actually think yeah. I with, agree with, with that. With courses like 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 Skibo and Doorknock and things like that, where you're going in it, going into it with expectations so high that actually sometimes it's harder to have a really good time because you want to really have a good time. And I think sometimes like it's, I, I find it easy if I've got no expectations whatsoever. Have you found mm. that on your trip that, that there's some of those big tickets are quite hard to, 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 to live up to the expectation? Yes, definitely. Um, but that that's golf, isn't it? It's all about the, um, the experience you get relative to the expectation, like you say, and mm. sometimes, sometimes you have a better time um, than you expect, and you go away feeling more positive about about the place. But really, if you compared it, you know, if you if you're underwhelmed by Turnberry because of the expectation, and you're super impressed by somewhere that you'd never heard of before. Does that make the the other place better than Turnberry? Probably not. Turnberry's still going to be better, isn't it? But, yeah, um, that's a fair but it's point. all relative. It's expectation management, isn't it? And I think that's, I mean, we've just done a little, as I keep saying on this pod, just done a little trip to Scotland. And if I'm honest, I really did not expect to leave Castle Stewart and Renaissance as gushing about the places as it was, because I kind of thought they would be great golfing experiences, but probably fairly benign golf courses. And that's what I, I mean, totally Skibo, to be honest. It, it's it's yeah. more of an experience rather than a good golfing test. But then the golf course hits you and you're like, oh, holy shit, this thing's good. And I think there's always the risk when, because there's a lot of big ticket courses, the Americans call them what, like Barry Bag Tag or whatever, you know, just kind of follow around, ticking off massive box, you know, kind of box checking and, you know, hideously expensive green fees. But some of those places really do kind of stack up, um, which is which is cool. I mean, just in terms of the architecture side of it, Sam, so obviously this is, part fun, part adventure, and I sense probably part education as well in course architecture for you as well. I know it's a subject dear to your hearts. What's been the sort of learnings on, on your travels? Or have there been any? You know, Yeah, great question. Um, it definitely is part of um, to be able to go to places and see the kind of the kind of holes that C.B. McDonald then took as the template holes. You know, they're all here. They're all in Scotland and England, and they're predominantly links courses. So we're very lucky to be able to play them. And there's not a really, I don't think, any course at all on the on the list that I'm playing, which is about 192 courses now that you can't play one way or another. Some may be more expensive than others. But there are none that are maybe one or two that are that are more difficult to get onto. But they're also open, and um, and therefore it's 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 great opportunity to for anyone to go and um, play a bit of links golf and see some truly historic things. And yeah, so going and one of the rationale for for traveling around and doing it is the is the maps as i'm producing with evaluating with joe mcdonald and and jasper uh so it's it's great to be able to 
maps and places that I don't think ordinarily you'd you'd go and do it. You'd never I keep mentioning Shiskeen, but we're going to do a map there and it's people haven't probably heard of it to the degree of the old course or Royal St. George's or St. Enadoc mm-hmm. or some of the other places we have done maps where you might expect a map to be done because they have a big membership and they have a big following. But um but there's no reason why people won't fall in love with a lot of these other courses because there's a lot to fall in love with and and um finding and trying to identify what makes some of these quirky small places good golf um is probably a worthwhile thing to do as well and uh it's there's loads written about the old course and everything else but why did i have such a good time when i went to Durness, or why did you have such a good time when you went to to Castle Stewart? You know, it's it's good architecture that that makes fun and interesting golf, and um, it, it's out there to just go and go and play and experience for yourself. And for our listeners that have uh, have watched some of our films that we've made, they would have seen you starring the show in the Hoylake film, talking about width and angles and Tiger's two iron and burnt that out. Put us on the map, that did, Sam. That, <laughs> that was such a beautiful did. monologue. Yeah. Beautiful monologue. Sam, well, Sam well Williams done. really, really likes the crescendo in the music when you come on. It's like He looks Cooper's out arrived. the window at one point. I've only seen it once or twice. Continue, but, um, Tom. Continue. Are you, you've obviously got your position on um, the Greens Committee at Hoylake. Um, are you, on your travels, are you consciously trying to absorb some of this stuff to think like well how can i how can i go back and try and improve my own home course or um or are you just taking time off all that um i don't know i wouldn't say actively trying to necessarily hunt out things that but there are so many talented people out there who spend all day every day working on their course and some people have um some different different ideas and yeah it would be there's no way that that anyone ever could say yeah this is the way you do do this this is how it should be done and um and bollocks to everyone else who who doesn't do it this way there's uh there's a load of ways to skin a cast as they say so um so you do pick up different things that's the nature of golf i suppose that you you have such variety and it's variety in how things are set up and, and how, how things play. And, um, and yeah, there's, there's more variety in our game than, than I, I could imagine in any other sports. Well, there's just, and particularly in Scotland, the history and run the courses and everything like that, you've got so much breadth, haven't you? You've got so much, you know, kind of, so many distinguishing features from one course to the next, you know, you know, doing what we do, you naturally scroll through a lot of, a lot of Instagram posts in a day and you get quite good at seeing one particular feature and you'll be like, Oh, I know exactly where that is. You don't need to see where that's tagged in at because you can see, and it's quite interesting. Then you think designing courses back then, or, you know, essentially they were designed for you by mother nature, but you know, people just had to deal with what they were given. And then it's also equally interesting then going to a Castle Stewart or a Renaissance or a, a Skibo where they've got the luxury of huge amounts of earth movement and everything to kind of, you know, I guess kind of create whatever they want. And have they created any better? You know, probably a, a 
you know, a matter for debate and some would agree and disagree. But, um, you know, it is incredible when you look at the breadth you've got out there and you start looking at particularly Shiskin, you know, it looks, it looks absolutely fabulous. You know, Dunavity is quite an interesting one. I've seen quite a bit of stuff out there. You know, there's, it, it looks like essentially, it's run on a relatively low cost basis. So you've got kind of square greens, you've got, you know, everything that goes with it. It's kind of got that whole sort of broader feel with kind of sheep, you know, it's kind of common land, right? So tell us a little bit about Dunavity. Yeah. So Dunavity was really interesting. I was speaking to there, they've just got a new, uh, a new head greenkeeper. And I think he said that he was the fourth man in the job in the hundred and something years that Donavity have been going for. No way. How cool is that? So That's unreal. Um but the the square greens is quite interesting because yeah they, they do have square greens there. But um if anyone follows Joe McDonald on, on social media you'll no doubt see some old maps and pictures of our our home course joe and i both members of hoylake royal liverpool and um we used to have square greens in the 1900s and uh, harry colt was commissioned in the mid 1920s to sort of refurbish the course and one of the things that he did was to create more conventional shall we say green shapes and and to formalize the bunkering as well and you you wonder if maybe it's an example at Donavity of lots of courses did have square greens back then that was just the style but they've had a an architect come in at some point over history and um, and make the greens more as we'd expect them to be today. But Donavity kind of got missed off and because they haven't had uh, a load of greenkeepers coming through, changing things, it's more authentic to how it was in uh, in the early days when it was laid out because you do have holes there that cross over. Um, there's There's one part of the course where there are two marker posts and you've got to remember whether am I meant to be aiming for the one on the left which is such a green or the one on the right which is a different green entirely and the two holes cross over each other and and there are loads of places in Scotland like that um and they're just they're just super fun but if they had to host a big and they say they had to host a european tour event or a, even a big amateur event there's no way that they they do it because it's not it's not the done thing anymore it's uh it's not derogat to to have crossing over and blind shots to the same degree that that it was acceptable to do this in the sort of old tom morris's day for example um but but they're still they're still out there and um and they're they're great fun to to find these places there have been many other courses you've come past in your travels and stuck with the geometric greens and uh, no no that's um that's one of one of few i can't think of anywhere yet i'm sure i will but um but so it's weird far, how it's in fashion in the states isn't it mm. it's it's like that's the yeah it's I kind mean, of that's, like the that's like the piece too. resistance isn't it in, in the states that's if you've got the square greens geometric greens you're really in business there and i think that's maybe maybe last time we spoke when we had jasper on it was that kind of 
so far behind that it's all already in front again now if that makes <laughs> sense in the same way that yeah. i think those were jasper's um famous words but it's kind of like that isn't it yeah um trying to get back the you know the as you say there are loads of places in the states that are trying to capture what they've been doing here for um, hundreds of years and they just they haven't deviated from from what works they found a model that works and it's it's straightforward low cost low maintenance relatively um let's not take anything away from the from the green stuff but you might not need a uh however many millions and millions of liters of water that they put on some places mm. elsewhere um here it's a lot more a lot more natural and year by year one course can look completely different to how it looked the year before based on how much rain there is in a given year and um it's it's again that that variety but it's a simple way of playing and approaching golf and uh it ain't broken so why would you try and why would you try and change it you've got it all in front of you i think haven't you sam so you you're you're in inverness at the moment you've got i i don't know how many we're through on the 192 course binge that you're on but you've still got quite a bit ahead of you i'm sensing oh yeah I'm about 30 courses in so far, so a long way okay. to go, a long way to go yet. But um, So give me some of the big highlights that you're looking forward to in Scotland. So you've you've got quite a bit more to go, just certainly in Scotland in its own right. So what are the kind of big ones that you're looking to tick off? Uh, going forward? Mm. So I'm looking forward. Like which ones are the ones you're most excited about? Like the ones where you're like, Jesus, I cannot wait to get to the car park of... I know, Cruden yeah. Bay or a... Well, Cr- Cruden Bay, yeah. So it's funny how they come and they all... Teed them up. So, well, but Brother Aberdeen is one of the next sort of places on the, on, the, on, on the itinerary. So there you've got Trump's course there and Royal Aberdeen and Cruden Bay, Fraserburgh just before. Um, so another great little area for golf that um, I can't wait to get to. Um, and then past that, you're down in, down in Fife. So <laughs> that kind of speaks for itself around there, the volume and, uh, of amazing courses they have there. And then, and then we're down in, in your neck of the woods where you've just been, uh, in East Lothian. Um, I thought you were going to say the Midlands then, Sam. I said, I'm not going to be, not some give you much good links. Not links much to Cleve Hill, which is obviously a fantastic links course <laughs> in the sky. Um, yeah, East Lothian. I mean, that is, that's frightening how much sculpture is there. Genuinely frightening. Because where did you play? Um, your fields? They call it Gullum 4. Um, um, <laughs> we played Gullum 1, uh, Renaissance, Muirfield, Kilspindy, and Muzzleborough with your fine self. Yeah. Who joined us for, for nine, nine holes of hickorying. Got the hickories was, uh, back out. First time this year. Mm, yeah, was, I uh, want to talk a little education. bit about it. I think that's a good, I think that's a pretty good segue. So hickory golf. So first time I'd ever done it. I've hit a few, I've got a few hickory clubs knocking around the house that I've sort of acquired, you know, throughout the years. And I'm sure I've hit a few irons up at the driving range with one and thought, mm, they can get it going, just take a bit off it and you're okay. Playing with hickory clubs round Musselburgh was 
almost like becoming a complete beginner again, I felt. It was one of the toughest nine holes. The four of us, it took us two and a half hours to play ten holes, four ball, better ball, 2v2. The the golf quality was poor. I'm not going to lie. I actually had one... I had one par. I was very, very proud of myself. Obscenely <laughs> hard. And I know, Sam, you're a bit of a, you're a bit of a hickory man, but it is tough, isn't it? And is there a bit of you where you've thought, oh, I don't know, this place looks a bit, this place looks pretty easy with the modern equipment. I'm just going to pull the hickories out. It's a good leveler for me today. Or have you just thought, <laughs> nah, do you know what? Life's hard enough. I'm just going to, I'm going to let the big dog eat. We're going to pull my pro V one, get the Vokey wedges on this, get a bit of spin going and we should be fine. What's the, have you, have you been tempted? What, what do you think Mills? Cause I think, I think Sam made it look harder than it actually <laughs> is. Made it a lot harder than it was. I couldn't keep the thing on the planet. It was, I don't know whether it's the steep angle of attack and, or maybe I'm just generating too much club head speed and I'm just too much of a that pure sounds, ball striker for these right, yeah. good things to keep up. But it was chronic. For someone, for someone this WHS has just been demoted to pretty much the low handicraft of the group. Um, mm, yeah, then, good point. Good point. To then be a nearly three digit hickory player is um was quite oh. impressive it was quite a fall from grace yeah it was tough it was you know, hickory's golf's interesting though and i think when we spoke last sam on the pod you talked about playing hickory is interesting because all of a sudden stuff's in play that you hadn't thought of in the past and i think we stood on something like the second hole at musselborough and there was a wedge shot in it was like 100 yards in the bunker's about 30 yards short of the green on the right and the pins directly over it now, any normal day, that bunker is not in play with the wedge. It's just pointless. Like you just, it's, it's, it's not in play at all, is it? For for most golfers, this time you ha- there's no spin on the ball. You have to land it, you know, pretty much on top of the bunker, or you've got to go well left of the pin to play for it. And I just thought it was, it was a proper education. I'd have liked to have been able to hit the clubs a little bit better than I did. I'd have liked to have maybe kind of had a few more goes round and kind of got used to the feel and get used to where the face was at any given moment but it was interesting yeah i think it, it makes the it makes the width and angles thing relevant doesn't it because when mm. when um as you say on that second hole there that bunker you, you did you had to be on the left hand side of the fairway to have a chance of running it up because the only way to get to hold the green would be to land it sort of five 10 yards short because you can't just stick it 100 yards in the air and get it coming back with a bit of a bit of juice on the ball it's just not a it's not an option um so i thought it was really interesting when you had uh lou stagner on the on your pod the other the other week and he was saying well if you run the model you know and you play you model the course out a thousand times and you go on the right-hand side where the trouble is to get a favourable line in. It never actually pays off. Um, you, you're better off just smashing driver and and uh, coming in from an inferior angle away from the trouble. Um, I think you've got to. It's only really when you play with hickory stuff that um, that you you appreciate that original argument because then you do get a, an advantage from being on the on the right side and other things you know if there's a there's a gorse bush on the thing i think you found this a few times um, <laughs> <laughs> this is not about my hickory golf this podcast this is but about in- your golf <laughs> adventure stand i really don't want to drag attention away 
but you'd no. never you'd never think about it if it's it, you know it's sort of maybe well, I can use a keep of carry control and, on and the, the pace, the can't I? Uh, but you, you never know, think can, about it if you're just playing with your normal clubs because you're never going to go there. But all of a sudden, if you miss it, your hickory, then it is only going to carry whatever it might be, 50 yards and instead of... It was of... more than 50. It was more than 50. <laughs> There's a bit of VAT going on this story here. But, yeah. The, the, when this podcast goes out, the, our, our Musselburgh film won't, won't be released. So we need to give you a little bit of a heads up. It will be coming soon. But one thing that, you'll, that our viewers will find out, listeners will find out, that we found out, is that um, Hickory's possibly aren't the most sturdy clubs mm. to, um, to to hit balls with. As uh, Bruce and I found out on the very same hole. Um, Fifth hole. I can't say I've ever had a... crazy coincidence, a, a, that, wasn't it? Yeah. Only two. Couple, couple of cliques just completely um, splitting in two at the top of the backswing. Club. Now, I mean, fair enough with Bruce, because he's yeah. generating about 120 club head speed. Mills is generating about 65 when he's absolutely jacked. <laughs> so I don't know how... I could only put it down to the fish glue that was in those hickories. It Mills, was, do you um, think it was the top of your backswing, not at impact? Mills has never found the top of his backswing. He's never never completed <laughs> the swing. <laughs> I um I've slowed it down um and it's broken before impact. Oh wow. But it's not broken it's not broken at the top of the back swing. It's it's somewhere um somewhere near P five. It's it's just gone. P five so <laughs> it must be so violent in, in take your golfing machine drivel and get off this pod immediately, young man, and wash <laughs> your mouth out. <laughs> Um, they're a hundred years old, aren't they? And I'll tell you what, it's um, it adds a whole new level of difficulty when you oh. when you've got to worry about whether your club's going to make it through the swing or not. Because it, yeah, it, I didn't like that. It, it really put me on edge with that. I put the clique away at that point. To be fair, the mid iron and the niblick they were working okay. I could hit those all day. That was no problem. The driver felt like it had like a half a degree aloft, and the clique was just. I mean, it was unworkable. It was like putting with a blade. It was like hitting the ball with a blade. But they're all really unique, tall. aren't they? They're, they're, they're yeah. antique clubs now. They're over, well, some of those would have been about 100 years old. Um, mm. Typically, it's sort of up to 1930. Um, anything made before that is is sort of playable if you're a proper hickory, hickory nerd like me. But um, so then it's not like they're the modern clubs when they were first built, I'm sure they were a hell of a lot more sturdy uh, when they were fresh out of the fresh out of the, the club makers studio. But now they've, uh, they've had a life and they've been hit by however many people in the aggressive use like ourselves. I mean, you talk a bit about the history there, Sam history, obviously pouring out of every corner of Scottish golfing interesting stories you've picked up on your travels you had anywhere you've come away and thought i did not know that about the game up there or bloody hell or that's an interesting tradition or quirk because you've played some random ones now you've hopped around a little bit uh what a good question um a a lot all of our guests say that when they don't know the answer to something i've asked give me by myself some time to think um (laughs) i mean for history one of the coolest places is is Dornock probably with all the history they have there. I mean, they've been playing golf for almost 400 years. Um, not, not on the, the course that's there now, but, um, but playing the game of golf, um, 400 odd years there. And Donald Ross, um, 
grew up, the famous architect, grew up in the, boy. in the town, yeah. um, lovely little town of Dornick, and he was five-minute walk away from the course. And you think of the, the people that have sort of passed th- through these places. Uh, John Sutherland, the secretary there, used to get um, – we got old Tom Morris up from – I can't remember whether he was at Presswick or St Andrews at the time – to come and do the work to the – the course I, I believe didn't he and um and it's like well god if donald ross meets old tom and then donald ross is, goes to the states and then the people that he influences and um and it's like this tree the of- butterfly effect is crazy isn't it in golf when you look back like i always talk about you know if Colt had actually fancied a bit of winter sun and gone to Australia to do, you know, rural Melbourne, then, you know, you wouldn't have Augusta national and, and all of that kind of good stuff. Right. And Paso Tiempo and stuff would be completely yeah, different what? courses. And the same applies like, you know, Ross plays golf in Dornoch, obviously inspired by old Tom when I worked down at, I think it's Forgans in St. Andrews. And then, goes over to the States and becomes probably their most prolific architect, you know, and, and really kind of fable character over in the States, isn't he now? And you just think like, wow, I mean, Dornock on its own right is a world-class golf course. And then I think that, that Donald Ross story that kind of permeates the place as well, just, just kind of gives it a bit more, a bit more meaning maybe perhaps. But if Dornock wasn't Dornock, so the greens there, um, um, probably some of my favorite greens that I've ever played. And they are, that is a place where you've got to be coming from the right side of the fairway. Cause if you, you know, you can't just aim at the flag because all of a sudden your ball keeps rolling and then it's rolled all the way off the green and you've got this near impossible chip back up. It's all of a sudden. So you really do have to think your way, your way around there. But if those greens weren't like that, the sort of upturned saucers, well, would Pinehurst number two look like Pinehurst mm. number two? Would Donald Ross have Definitely. built greens that look like that if if it was a different town in Scotland that he'd come from? If he'd come from if he'd come from Hoylake, where I'm from, and everything's kind of at grade and the greens are pretty flat and you know, it wasn't old Tom, but it was his brother who who laid out who laid out Hoylake, old Tom's brother. Um, so if he'd if he'd been similarly inspired and then gone around the world designing things, would they would things look the same as they do now? Would you have that American style of of architecture? So I don't know, but it's a hell of a cool place, and that's one of my favourites mm-hmm. that um, that I've been so far. I forgot how insane that second green is we played it and that was yeah. Yeah. I got bullied by that second hole easy done isn't it if you go long you're <laughs> you're buggered but we've uh, we've taken up far too much of your time but just uh, just as a, a little parting gift can you give our listeners um, one course they've not heard of they have to go to oh good question um, yeah. I've mentioned a couple of them um, so Durness, go to Durness. Um, Macrahanish, go to Macrahanish. They've, they've definitely heard of that. Um, no, I think that's fair. Like that's a, such an easy place to skip over on a tour selection criteria, isn't it? Because it it's is awkward out of the way. to get. To. Yeah, yeah, it's more of an effort, and you're like, ah, oh, shit. Like, is it not easier just to go to Ayrshire? 
But well, it's like it's like going to airship plus four hours. Yeah. You know, it's and that's what I'm saying. So like, obviously, you've got your van, Sam. Um, is there is there infrastructure there in Macrahanish? Oh yeah, yeah. Campbelltown is Campbelltown is um, is probably ten minute, ten fifteen minute drive max from um, from Macrahanish, and it's absolutely fine, perfect place to base yourself. Um, and when Mac Dunes, the developments of the, that course there, when that came, they they built. Uh, alongside the first tier at, at Macrahanish, uh, they built a, a guest house there and this hotel and things. So, but to answer your your question, Mel, why is it worth going there? It's a hell of a good value. Um, it's probably by the time you've played half a dozen courses in that area compared to half a dozen courses in, say, East Lothian or or uh, Ayrshire, for example, just to pick on those. It will cost you a fraction of the amount in in green fees, um, and it's as pure a links destination as anywhere. You know the um, the the links experience of the turf and the wind and the sand and everything is magical. Sam Cooper, thank you so much for your time. We look forward to getting you back on when you've done more than thirty courses. Maybe when you get something near a hundred and we can wax lyrical about the East Lothian. Uh, is that your, so you've got um, Aberdeen to do and then you're off down to sort of St. Andrew's way. Is that? Yeah. So I'm just, um, just on the little coast between uh, Inverness and Aberdeen at the moment, working my way along. So Cullen links and Strathleen. Mm, and Cullen um, looks awesome. Cullen looks very cool. It's very, uh, very cool. It was quirky. I played there the other day. It's uh it's it's certainly quirky. Eighteen holes on a bit of land that probably eighteen is a push, <laughs> but you end up with a load of cool par threes to make up the numbers. <laughs> well, Sam, we wish you well. We wish you the weather, and uh, and we'll speak to you again soon. Very kind, boys. Looking forward to teeing up with you soon. Anytime. Watch Cheers, Sam. This.